0: Back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. I'm Thad Haight. And today we're going to be discussing the second film in the Bond series, From Russia with Love. Indeed. From Russia with Love came out in 1963 in the UK, 1964 in the United States. It was written by Richard Maybaum and Joanna Harwood, who returned from Doctor No. And it was again directed by Terrence Young. So we have a lot of the same group of individuals coming back to make this film it's interesting to me just looking at at these early films how quickly they all came out it was yeah. probably one a year at one point which is just amazing to me given that i guess these were considered big big productions at the time
1: well this has twice the budget of the last one
0: Yep, two million pounds for a budget yep. for this one
1: was it pounds because the wiki says dollars does it say dollars yeah
0: okay yep two million dollars budget of two million dollars they made 78.9 million dollars so i think it was a fairly successful film.
1: Probably, yeah. Also, Sean Connery was paid $154,000 for it. Well,
0: he got he gets quite a raise. I think his last one he made something like $2 million uh, to, when they dragged him back for uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, I believe it. I'm not sure that was money well spent, but we'll get to that when we get to that film. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did you find this viewing of For Much Love? Is this a film that uh, you've liked in the past? or Yeah,
1: and I've seen this several times uh, as I mentioned in our intro episode this is the first bond film I saw at least I that I remember that I saw mm-hmm. and overall I do really enjoy this one it has it has some nice little twists and turns in it and I think it uh, mostly holds up pretty well
0: it's it's a film I think that in in thinking back to when I was a kid I think it's probably the one that I've grown to like more over time it's not the most flamboyant or exciting I would say story-wise of the films and I remembered thinking as a kid that it was a little bit slow at points and I still think it's a little bit slow in some sections I think there's a little bit of things that could have been tightened up in there and we'll get to that but um, over the time of seeing it and you know becoming a little bit of a more mature viewer and things like that I think it's, it's certainly one that's grown on me a lot to the point where I think I would probably put this in my top five.
1: Yeah, I I, I think it is. Uh, as, like I said last week with Dr. No, there are some things of the 60s that haven't aged well. But overall, yes, I I agree. There are a couple things in the middle there where it feels a little slow. Um, but I think overall, the story ties together very well. It's got it. It has an interesting plot. I, I, I I like this one better than I do Dr. No.
0: I definitely like this one um, more than Dr. No, I think, uh, for the same reasons. I think it's it's a more sophisticated story. I think there's a lot more twists and turns going on. It's not as from point A to point B. Yeah. And I think this is really, we, we talked a little bit about how Dr. No set the template for, for Bond films. I think this is the one where it really, all the pieces kind of come together.
1: Oh, yeah. This is the archetypical Bond film.
0: Right. like I mean, starting with, you, we get the first pre-title sequence of, of the series, um, which I always think would kind of throw people off quite a bit the first time they see this one. Um, yeah, where you have Bond or who we think is Bond being stalked through this strange garden area by, uh, Robert Shaw, who we don't know who he is yet. Uh, and then Bond gets killed <laughs> at, and at the beginning of the sequence and, uh, you know, then it's revealed that it's not actually Bond. It's somebody in disguise. Why they would put a guy in disguise to do this, I don't know, other than they thought they were filming a movie and they wanted to fool the audience, perhaps. <laughs> you know, I don't know what utility putting a mask on this guy and pretending he's James Bond does.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure how how much that really helps in Grant's training for killing Bond either. But can I just uh, mention here um, that Robert Shaw, as an actor, has incredible range, because... As a kid, I seen I've seen Jaws. I had seen The Sting. Mm-hmm. When I first watched this movie, I didn't I didn't had no idea that was the same guy. No clue at all.
0: Part of it, I think, is well, he has blonde hair in this, which is different. Yeah. Um, he he doesn't have a line of dialogue until about an hour into the film, at least, probably more. Um, you know, um, and he's he's a very imposing presence, and I love the way he kind of is lurking in the background through much of this film and that mm-hmm. you know going back to what i said about as a kid i always found that confusing as a kid because i couldn't quite grasp you know why is he helping bond at this point when he's the bad guy and all that's like that just didn't quite click with me until you know i kind of realized that stories could be a little more complicated than than what i thought they were at the time um right yeah so um yeah so we get that pre-title sequence um walter walter guttell makes his first appearance in in this film uh, he returns later in the Roger Moore films, playing um, General Gogol, who is kind of the M equivalent of Russia. And he makes a bunch of little appearances here and there throughout the, the Moore era. But this is his first appearance, playing a completely different character. And I don't think he's actually named on screen.
1: I think he he's in the 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 Living Daylights too. I th- he makes it past the Moore era.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's. I, yeah, I think that might be the last. I think that's the last, the last one, one. But
1: yeah, he does actually transcend bonds.
0: He makes it through the much of the more era. I believe his first one was uh, the spy who loved me.
1: I think so. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and he pretty much pops up anytime there's a Russian component to any of the stories. Uh, from there on out until yeah, I think the Living Daylights is the last one. So yeah, we get the. This this pre-title sequence, which I believe I read somewhere, was an afterthought. Um, The editors kind of put that in at the end. Like, as they were assembling the film, they decided to kind of put this little sequence before the titles. um, Which then became a thing, and they became more and more extravagant and flamboyant. We start to see that, really, with with Goldfinger next week.
1: Speaking of the titles, uh, two weeks ago, I said, very erroneously... (laughs) (laughs) that on her majesty's secret service is the only one with an instrumental title sequence since then this is this is now the we've had we've watched two bond movies that both had instrumental title sequences. well
0: just as erroneously i then said well there's that one and dr no completely forgetting this one too (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah i forgot that although this music has lyrics they're not in the title sequence
0: (laughs) no no um they don't appear until later uh which i think is for the better i actually like this this arrangement of the music and the way it's used with the bond theme i think is is really clever and cool I'm less a fan of the titles, which were, uh, Robert Brown, John, who stepped in for Morris Binder this time. Uh, just,
1: I don't like how they only appear when the dancers move over.
0: Yeah. And, and there is sometimes, you know, this being in the sixties when they have lots more names up on screen than we do these days. Um, there are these, sometimes there's a whole block of names and they have the dancer dancing in front of them and you can't read them. And then they just say, okay, here's all the names that we've been obscuring at times. It works okay.
1: It's distracting when the names disappear and reappear. Uh, like, I, I found it, that's that's what bugs me on it.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Um, I think, so Robert Brownjohn would come back and do titles for Goldfinger, and I think those are much more successful and iconic, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about them.
1: And that theme does have lyrics. Yes, it does.
0: So this is the last of the <laughs> instrumental themes until we get to Honor Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Or is it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, when I was when Notice. I was editing the, the first episode and we got to that point, I said, Oh shoot. <laughs> we were both wrong on this one. <laughs> so so we get the titles, um, and then we immediately find ourselves in Istanbul and we Not Constantinople. Not can- <laughs> <laughs> so, take me back to
1: Constantinople.
0: No, you can go back to Constantinople been a long time. If I remember correctly, we start off at the chess tournament. Yes. Um, we we appear at a, at a chess tournament with these two individuals. Um, we don't know who they are at this point. Um, and a gentleman by the name of Kronstein ends up winning this chess tournament. Um he he gets this note from somebody. He gets a, a glass of water delivered to his table, and he very inconspicuously, and I'm using that term with sarcasm, um, reads the note that's kind of on on the coaster that he's handed, and it says, um, you are required at once, or something like that. Um, So he then, and I've never quite figured out if he, that's why he ends the game, or if he's already about to end the game anyway, and he just, you know, it just happens to be fortuitous timing.
1: I always assume he was, like, sort of toying with him, but could have ended it at any time, uh-huh. and then just like, okay, fine, we'll end it now.
0: That's, that's how it feels to me, because he gets the note, and then he immediately moved, moves one piece, and then that's the game.
1: And it feels like the sort of thing that a total douche like Kronstein would yeah, do. Yeah,
0: it does, and I think that's a great description for this character. He's He is, he, he's certainly one of the I'm-very-full-of-myself-and-my-abilities kind of guys. Yeah. Uh, is foolproof plan so to speak uh which usually foolproof plans are a little less convoluted i would say but uh he he wins the chess match and then he goes off to uh, this this boat where we for the first time meet ernst blofeld we don't know him by name yet um we just see we see the famous cat
1: interestingly he's played by the guy who played the geologist in dr now
0: yeah um Anthony Dawson, I think the actor's name is, and he plays him again in Thunderball. He's the guy standing or sitting behind the the screen hiding his face. Um, That's not his voice, though. That's somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we don't see his face until you only live twice. That's right.
0: And he looks very different than he would than you would expect based on what (laughs) we see in this film. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So that's when we 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 see we see Blofeld for the first time, who's only referred to as number one at this point. Uh, We meet Rosa Klebb, who is number three, um, played by Lottie Lenya. Um, We find out that she is a former Soviet intelligence officer who's defected and come over to Spectre. Um, And this is really the first divergent point from the original source material in the book, where in the book, it's actually a very similar story. The plot is very similar, Um, but the idea of the Russians being set up as the the target when they're or, or the russians being set up as the people running the scheme when it's actually not is something that's completely invented in the film there's no specter in the book it's it is all the russians doing this thing and they're you know trying to
1: what's the russian end game then
0: so the russian end game is really to create a sex scandal within the british secret service and discredit bond which i don't know how that would okay. that would work but you know he the the whole idea of we're gonna we're gonna (laughs) dangle this woman in front of him and we're gonna film him sleeping with this russian agent or this russian clerk or whatever her position is and and humiliate mi6 with this scandal and then send and then we'll end up keeping our decoder at the end of the day so that that's the basic idea of this plot
1: yeah i'm not sure how that yeah that that seems like a silly thing to try yeah i mean i it does make the uh, sleeping with the agent make more sense. Right. Uh the 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 filming of the sleeping with it that it, that makes much more sense when it's the Russians trying to discredit him than when Specter is doing it for some reason.
0: Well, it's something I actually appreciate the little bit of continuity where they mention, you know, getting revenge for him killing Dr. No. Um which you don't get a lot mm. of you don't get a lot of that in this film series where there's continuity between events. Um you know, so you can Right. Once the films are out, you can sort of watch them in any order. Um, it, it becomes problematic, I would say, after the events of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I
1: would. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't watch Diamonds Are Forever before on Her Majesty's Secret Service. No. Although I did the first time I saw it. <laughs> we
0: don't get much of a sense in Diamonds Are Forever that he's out for revenge because of the death of his wife. We just He's the arch-villain of Bond, and he's getting rid of him at some point.
1: Mm, so, fair.
0: But, anyway... Um, so yeah, so we, we, we hear the plot being explained, uh, to the audience, essentially what, what the plan is here. Rosa Klebb is going to go and recruit this, this woman or she.
1: The fighting fish thing was a nice touch.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah. The fish, it reminds me a little bit of, we've talked in the past about how Bond goes from rooted in somewhat of a reality to this ridiculousness. And it, it reminds me of in, in from Russia with love, we have this little tank with fighting fish. And by the time we get to you only live twice we have the giant pool with the piranhas in it that he's dropping people into and and stuff like that so it's a a way of gauging the scale i guess that we're working on uh, in these films yeah so we get the the scene on the boat and then we follow kleb who goes back to istanbul you skipped specter Island. oh i did skip specter island you're right so they go to specter island (laughs) and since i forgot about it why don't you tell us about specter island
1: Okay, so on Spectre Island, for some reason, uh, Grant is getting a massage. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure why that scene is there. Uh, but, but she's wearing, she's is, wearing very uh, revealing 60s underwear. She is. And again, really not sure why that no, scene is there. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> um, I think this
0: entire scene is to set up but, one moment that I think is cool. But anyway.
1: And yeah, so clip arrives and reads grant's dossier uh and then like we walk past all these people training and using flamethrowers and such and we learn that they use live targets Mm -hmm.
0: which we saw in the which we saw at the beginning
1: yes we did and then cleb inspects grant and punches him in the face with brass knuckles which he does not respond to which somehow means he's ready to kill bond well she
0: punches him in the stomach not his face
1: that's, I don't know why. <laughs> <it's, it's>, <laughs> yes, yeah, punches him in the stomach with gr- brass knuckles and he doesn't flinch. He seems fit enough. Have him report to me in Istanbul in twenty-four hours. Which I guess means he's ready to kill James Bond. I'm not quite sure how the two correlate, but okay. Well, I I don't know why, I just always like that moment of... Oh, I do like it, because she's just like,
0: bam! (laughs) You know, she flies all the way over to where Spectre Island is, and walks through the thing, and he's like, alright, I'm done, I'm sold, this guy's good. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and then they go back to Istanbul, you're right. Yes. And then we meet Tatiana, and there's a... I don't know... I've, I've seen in, in things that there's supposed to be a bit of risqué tension between the two of them in the scene, which I can sort of see a little bit, um, especially given the, the era. When she
1: touches her leg, yeah. But yeah, Tatiana has no idea that Kleb is not still working for Smirsh.
0: No, she does not. She thinks she is She's still working for Russian intelligence at this point. Um, you know, she's blinded by loyalty to the russian state and is willing to do whatever they ask her to do essentially especially when she says you'll be shot if you tell anyone that what's going on the thing that strikes me about this is that we go a long time before we actually see bond again or at all i would say in this film
1: yeah uh it's 18 minutes into the film when bond first appears.
0: and it's the complete opposite of what we got with dr no where dr no is all about discovering what the plot is and he has to kind of find out about it and in, in this film we're way ahead of him for most of the entire film Um, oh yeah which i actually prefer that um and i no i like it too and i think it had to be done that way just because of how complex this this plot setup is so yeah 18 minutes in we finally meet bond who's hanging out in a boat not really punting and uh with
1: sean connery has very hairy legs he's
0: he's a very hairy man overall i would say
1: yes oh yes (laughs) But you don't normally see so much of his legs. No, you don't. So that's why I was commenting about this scene.
0: And I could be wrong. This might be worth... I don't know why it would be worth looking at in the future, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember them being... How often you see Bond's legs. I No, I, I just don't remember him being that hairy when he puts on that like blue onesie thing that he has in Goldfinger. So that'll be something I'm, I'm going to actually pay attention to this time.
1: They artificially give him hair on his head and take it away from his there body, I guess. Honestly, what surprises me is, like, do you figure he shaved his back? Like, there's no way anyone has that much hair on his legs and arms and has no hair on his back.
0: Oh, I've never thought about that. And I don't plan on thinking about it again (laughs) after this, after we have this discussion. (laughs) So, yeah, he's in the boat and he's with Sylvia Trench again, who we met in the first, in the first film um eventually i'm going to stop call i'm yeah. gonna eventually stop trying to say episode when i mean film um we we met sylvia in dr no <laughs> we see her again here and she was originally going to be this kind of running gag almost where she's the frustrated girlfriend who never gets to do anything with him because he's always being called off on adventures and they stopped doing that after this film so we never see her again
1: did car phones like was that like even a possibility at this time yeah
0: i i don't know. Um I know that that's sometimes cited as the first real gadget that Bond has. Uh, he has this Bentley with a car phone in it. Um, I don't know how... He has a beeper that goes off in his in his jacket pocket.
1: Yeah, that also seems... I mean, it's theoretically possible that a, a beeper you could sure. do. Like, if it was like a shortwave radio or something. Like, I can see how you could make that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that specifically type of technology really existed but it could have right. as far as car phones though like i'm really wondering if that like was even well
0: they had those they had those um military phones in world war II that they would take like field telephones and i don't yeah, i don't know what the okay. range of those are so i are. guess you could build that into a car yeah right? i don't know what the ranges Or i mean usually they had the cranks they had to kind of wind up the to get the charge in them or whatever but
1: well, it probably uses the battery. In, in the car, car, that could
0: work, yeah. I imagine that it would be something that was somewhat feasible. They're still not in the realm of complete fantasy yet, I don't think, with the gadgets. Um, I mean, we only get the one later. Uh, no, we'll get that yeah. next week with the GPS. Yes, the the magic GPS system. Uh.
1: <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I do like when Bond walks into the room and he's about to flirt with Money Penny and then he realizes Em is standing there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's like for my next trick. I- oh,
0: okay. And then M just like looks at the door and he- <laughs> they just stalk off. You know, <laughs> I, I love. <laughs> yeah. So we we've talked before and we will talk again about the problematic relationship with Bond and Money Penny. Um, I always love the dynamic between Money Penny M and Bond, where yes. you know they'll start to flirt and. And then we'll come on, like you know, skip the script, the traditional byplay. He's in a hurry, or you know, stuff like that. Which, like, you know, he knows what's going uh, yeah, on. I, I really
1: and... like the later, uh, later in this movie when he's like, "Money, pennies." Since I know you're listening. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, when they when when he sends her away because they're about to talk about some kind of scandalous mission on the tape. Yeah, yeah
1: there was this one time with Emily, <laughs> yeah, and he's no... like, "All right, you can go." <laughs>
0: <laughs> since you're no doubt listening in, do this yeah. for me. Yeah, I, I like I like their, that little, it's not a triangle, but it's that kind of re- relationship office relationship that they have going on with the three of them mm-hmm. I like a lot. So this is when M calls him in and kind of says, hey, you know, we've heard that there's this woman that's fallen in love with you because she saw your photo in a file somewhere and she wants to defect and bring this decoder over and she wants you to help her do it, and to their credit, they're like, this is clearly a trap, but we're going to try it anyway because we need to get this. We want to see if we can get our hands on this device, which I imagine is analogous to the Enigma machines from World War II that the Germans were using. Um, you know, mm-hmm. these things that they can decrypt, Russian communiques and, and whatnot. Um, and then we see, for the first time, Desmond Llewellyn comes in as Q with the first real, I would say, bond gadget that we get in, in the uh, in the entire uh, series.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Q comes in. He's he's only a, it's just as, he as Major Boothroyd because the previous Major Boothroyd was not able to return. Right. But yeah, he's. They mentioned Q branch, and yeah, we get the pretty spiffy suitcase. We have a literal Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> we have uh the gold sovereigns. We have a knife hidden in the suitcase, and we have uh the the tear gas that goes off if you don't open the suitcase correctly
0: right and i think this is a great example of setting up things because they all pay off eventually Mm -hmm. they don't pay off at the same time or in the same way and
1: yeah and and i i I like it's check off gadget suitcase yes it really is and this will be a ongoing thing like in most bond films cube will give him a gadget explain how it works and like at some point much later in the film he'll get to use it so yeah, we get we get to Istanbul, he uh, meets up with the agent he's supposed to meet up with, and we learn the lighter code word thing. Yes. Which we get a lot. And we see Robert Shaw watching. Mm-hmm. And we get my favorite uh, projection behind a car again. <laughs> At least the top
0: is up, so it's not quite as bad. There's no, you know, it's not a convertible. This it's not a convertible this time, so
1: it's a little better. It's not quite as obvious, but it is definitely still there. Yes. Uh yeah, so we drive through we find out that they're always followed. So they just, you know, are used to that sort of thing.
0: I like this a lot. The whole Yeah. You, do you know you're being followed and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's these guys. We know who they are. We follow them, they follow us. It's, you know, we just
1: we just have this relationship." Yep. And then we go to office of kareem bay through a secret way and is there any special significance to the photo of churchill on his desk i don't think so other than
0: the fact that i mean i don't know to, to show that he works for the british i guess i, I don't know i mean
1: yeah i mean because i mean churchill was long retired at this he point. was yeah uh, it's just it seems an interesting choice that it does i, I I'd never really thought about it before but I was wondering, since you know there was that uh, that painting of the Duke of oh, Wellington last yes. week. That was
0: no one no one stole a photo of Churchill or anything like that, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it has anything to do with that. Um, uh, yeah, we meet we meet Karen Bay, who's played by Pedro Amandars. Um I like Karim a lot. Um, he's yeah, he's great. He, he's a great character. Um, I don't know if you're aware, he was actually gravely ill during the filming of this movie. It's actually, it's his last film. Um, they had to rework the, the shoot essentially to get all of his scenes done as quickly as they could. Um, it's, it's really kind of a sad story when you, when you hear about it, um, you know, he was diagnosed right as they were starting to film. And, uh, but I think you can't really tell. And I think that's a real testament to his no, acting you that unless you know the story, you never think about that or, you know think that there was anything wrong with the man but I, I love his i like his character i like his demeanor a lot um i like how you know he, he had, i don't know how many sons he has but it's it's a lot um and uh yeah i, li- I like this relationship that he develops with with bond
1: yeah no I, I i really enjoy the character and no i i had no idea the actor was yeah I, I guess that does that that's probably why he why he's limping a lot then
0: it might be yeah yeah So we, you know, we have the scene in, in, in the office where Karam basically reiterates, or or, he's siding with M essentially saying, yeah, this is, this is a trap. Um, My advice is to enjoy Istanbul for a few days and go home. Of course, Bond's not going to do that. Um, And, and, and Karam's still going to help him out. And this is, this starts the section of the film where I kind of think it does, it could have done with a little bit of editing. So we have the scene with with Karim and Bond, and then we find out that Grant has first tied up and then later murders one of the Bulgarian drivers uh, who's been tailing them around. So now he's in the car, ostensibly in disguise, able to tail these people without being observed. We then see, the, as you mentioned last time, you know, Bond goes to another hotel and uh, does the whole, I'm going to search the... Hotel room for bugs.
1: While the Bond theme plays. The
0: Bond theme plays, yes. Very similar to the Dr. No um, scene, I would say. And, you know, he finds the bug in the telephone. He finds the bug behind the painting. um, And then calls down and says, you know, the room isn't going to work for me. And we find out that this is actually a plan that was set up where they wanted him to, to not want his room. They wanted to put him up in, in the bridal suite room instead, um, which they do, which I, I think is a clever twist on what we were expecting from the first movie.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it works out. It, uh, yeah. Cause they, they need a way to sneak uh, Tatiana into his room. So it makes sense.
0: Right. And then later on, we find out that there's a, a one way mirror that they can film what's going on through. Um, uh, so that, the whole idea was to get him into that room instead. Um, so then we find that we we see Grant meeting with Kleb again, um, and then we get this amusing little scene I think with uh, Karen Bay and this woman that I'm guessing is his mistress or something, um, where he's he's trying to do work and she's trying to get him to come over and pay attention to her and he's having none of it. And uh, I'm I'm a fan of when he finally gets up and he's like back to the salt mines and then he goes off to. <laughs> to the
1: yes. to the couch, <laughs> and then there's an ultraviolet explosion. There
0: is. It's a very large. Like,
1: why <laughs> did they choose purple as the light?
0: <laughs> I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't answer that
1: because that just like yeah, it's it's a bright purple light for some reason.
0: Yep. <laughs> bright purple light goes off a couple times. <laughs> we find out there was a bomb on the wall behind, right by his desk. Uh, Bond goes to see him. And, you know, thank- fortunately, he was resting on the settee for a few moments, he says. Uh, which is, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, and then you get these lines that, you know, when you're younger, you don't think twice about them. And then you realize what they're implying. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a risque line for the time where he says that the girl is in hysterics. And Bond says, oh, she find your technique a bit violent. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Karam is clearly used to this because it doesn't really phase him that much, um, and uh, I think this is when they go off to uh, go under the city, right?
1: So yeah, then we go down into the into the into the sewer of Constantinople, which yes was built by the by the Emperor Constantine. Yes.
0: Um, we find out that you know he's on this gondola for a while, and then we find out that Karam has had this periscope installed. Under the Russian consulate.
1: Interestingly, this was uh, apparently filmed in Spain because they because they couldn't legally film with wild rats in England.
0: Interesting. So they filmed the the scenes under the in that cavern.
1: Yeah. Okay. Like they tried they tried covering ta- uh la- white lab rats in cocoa first, but it didn't work. Hmm. So then they went to Spain and filmed with wild rats instead. Just interesting. I, I, I assume it's, like, a health and safety thing, mm-hmm. why there's a law against filming with rats in the UK. Yeah. But, just found that interesting. Yeah,
0: no, that's, that is interesting. Um, and that's not something I would have ever thought of.
1: So, my thing with this periscope. Um... Okay. I get that they were able to sneakily install it while the there was a safety inspection going on. How did the Russians never find it? I
0: have no idea. Um... I can't... It looks to me like it's under a rug or something. Like when you look at the the through the viewfinder, it looks like there's something obscuring. I
1: assumed it was like under a chair or yeah, something.
0: Yeah, it looks like there's something obscuring parts of the top of the image, so maybe it's pushing a rug up. But it still, I think, would be fairly prominent. I mean, some of the people at the table look over that direction. You'd think they would see something popping up out of the ground. Uh, you'd think so, yeah. yes. Um. But yeah, that, that's something that's always... Even when I was younger, I was like, that doesn't seem like that would work very well. Uh, <laughs> at least not long-term. Um, they they find the Kirilenko guy who... Bay immediately thinks is the one responsible for the bombing. Um, clearly they have some sort of history uh, going back. And uh, we see... Vaughn, for the first time sees Tatiana Romanova come in. But he sees her from the waist down.
1: Yeah, he uh, he sees. Uh, he makes the comment that things are shaping up nicely.
0: Yes, uh, very subtle. Interestingly enough, that's oh, so subtle. That's not Daniela Bianchi, apparently the woman who plays ah. uh Tatiana. Uh, I read somewhere that the director Terrence Young decided he did not like her legs, so he got a stunt leg person to film that scene. <laughs> Which, again, is something that you do in the 60s that wouldn't fly today and shouldn't fly today. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a thing. And then we're off to the gypsy camp.
1: Yes, because Karam uses them against the Russians. Like, the Russians use the Bulgars against them. Right. Which, okay, sure.
0: This is probably the the biggest part of the movie that I think could have used a trim.
1: It does go on for a while. I like the idea. I could do without the cat fight. Yeah, I was going to say, cut the cat fight. The belly dancing is is fine, uh, but cut the cat. The, fight. the belly dancing is fine. It goes on a bit long. It does. Maybe don't give Bond a lap dance. Yeah, a very long lap dance. Um, <laughs> but the but the actual belly dancing itself, okay, that's I don't have a big issue with that. But the cat fight, just wow.
0: Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. <laughs> I like the cue they use there, but other than that, I I don't like this much at all. I don't like the resolution of the cat fight later, and then it's interrupted by. Karolienko coming in and shooting up the place, Uh, we get a rather long chaotic fight, gunfight. I
1: like the fight sequence, though.
0: I do, too. I mean, aside from the the part where Karim gets shot and you can see him putting the blood on his arm, um, I think it's done fairly well and then
1: you see him reach out with the gu- with the arm that was shot to pick up the gun before handing it to his good hand
0: yeah and then he's like oh i should <laughs> hand it to the other arm yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i like the idea of and this is something that maybe it's done a little too subtly because i didn't catch it the first couple times i don't think i caught it the first couple times i watched the film where robert shaw is watching and he is slowly shooting people who are trying to get it bond yeah it's it's I think it's, again, it's that interesting dynamic that we have set up that pays off at the end of the film. but
1: Yeah, and I think, yeah, you're not supposed to really notice it. It's not until later when he tells him that he saved his life in the gypsy camp. Right.
0: So after all this happens, they, they manage to drive away Karlyenko's people. I like, this is, and this reminds me a bit of Thunderball later where you have the, the trope of, all this chaos is going on and bond is just wandering around and like cutting down a tent on top of a guy and then pushing some guy into the water. And like, he's just kind of strolling through this chaos and helping people on the way and, and doing little bits of mischief and things that he, they tend to do that a few times uh, later on too.
1: I like when he pulls the knife out of the tent that was like thrown at him and then just tosses it as a side. That was, yeah, that's a good
0: moment. We get the unfortunate resolution to the, cat fight uh, which is basically hey bond here are these two girls you pick one and yeah i have things i could say about this but i'd rather not give it much time yeah fair they leave the the gypsy camp eventually um and then where we go from here
1: then we go to bond and Karim, uh stalking Karlenko. yes they find his hideaway yeah we get the we, this is where chekhov's gun comes to play yes and Bond. Puts the gun together and uh, aiming it towards where Kerblanko's hideout is because Karim's sons are going to knock on the door, dress as cops to dr- flush him out. Mm-hmm. But Karim decides that he actually needs to take this shot, even though he has a bad arm. And somehow, like, yeah, I have trouble with the like. How bad is his arm? Because it's in a sling, which is normally only if you break your arm, right?
0: I would think so. I mean, I, my hand-wavy explanation for this is that they were at the gypsy camp, and he was injured, and that's all they could really do for him, because they're in a gypsy camp, they're not in town, and then they go right from the gypsy camp to this moment here.
1: So he still has a bullet in his arm at this point, is what you're saying?
0: I He might, I yeah, they or maybe they took it out, I don't know. Hmm,
1: okay, maybe. Anyway, he, he still managed, despite his arm in the sling, he still manages to use that arm to pull the trigger on the gun. And, yeah shoots Kerlenko and which pays many debts I don't
0: know if you noticed this but um uh, I mean I'm sure you noticed that there was a giant poster on the on the side of the the house uh, for a film called call me Buona, yes. which is a Albert R Broccoli and Harry Saltzman production
1: oh I did not know that
0: and their names do show up it's in brief glimpses here and there so a little bit of bonus uh promotion there
1: I did like how the how the window happens to open exactly in her mouth yes. She, she should have kept her mouth touch. shut. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For the most part, I like the one-liners in this film. Actually,
1: the only one that really doesn't work is I'd say one of their aircraft is missing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that one's not even funny. No.
1: <laughs> it's it's really not. But yes, no that that one-liner is pretty good, and she ha- she's had her kicks was good. My
0: favorite one is still the the red wine with fish. That should have told me something. Yes. But that's Bond being a food
1: snob. So Bond goes back to his hotel room and hears noises and finds Tatiana naked in his bread.
0: Yeah, but you forgot that before he finds her, he turns on a steam vent in his bathtub. Like, go back and watch that again. He turns on the bathtub and immediately a jet of steam comes out of the top of the thing.
1: Wait, does it? Yes. (laughs) There's, yeah, you're right, it does. There's some pretty impressive hot water in this Turkish hotel. (laughs) Like, Dad! Is, like, the boiler just on the other side of the wall or something? (laughs) I
0: I think that's the special effects (laughs) department getting a little carried away. Uh... Yes. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so he he goes and finds her in bed. And we get our first real meeting with Tatiana, other than that earlier scene with Rosa Klebb. Um, Yet another in the long line of Bond girls who are dubbed. um, Although this time, Daniela Bianchi was... Italian had a very heavy Italian accent and obviously they couldn't really uh, work with her natural voice. Um, this is not Nikki Vanderzil this time, however. This is somebody else. Hmm. Um, so we don't at least have the same voice two two movies in a row.
1: Right. Well, maybe she couldn't do a Russian accent.
0: Possibly. I, I, I don't know, actually. So we get the usual um, Bond meets girl, Bond flirts with girl scene that my understanding is this is a standard... Uh, audition scene now for for bond parts
1: yes i saw that it was how pierce Brosnan au- auditioned
0: but yeah so i mean i think this is a good scene i think it's a good scene to to use as a audition for these types of parts
1: yeah it works i mean it it's a, it's a very bond sort of thing yeah
0: there's awkward banter about the size of her mouth and whatnot but other than that uh i think it works pretty well um we then find out that they're Activities are being filmed in secret with Grant observing uh, and some other guy who's filming them. Um, and then we get a few different scenes of how they're going to pass information back and forth.
1: Yeah, in the Hagia Sophia.
0: Yeah. So they go to the Hagia Sophia, uh, which apparently has hired the world's worst person that does tours. Um, if you ever l- try to listen yeah, to this that guy... Is such a bad <laughs> tour guide. <laughs> oh my terrible. god. <laughs>
1: It's like he's reading a stilted script or something.
0: In a language he doesn't speak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, all that's in the background as uh, Tatiana's going to leave a a little map of the consulate for Bond to find. Um, We see the Bulgar, who's been trailing them, intercepts it. And, again, Grant is there and takes him out first. Bond is about to do him in because he feels like he has to and then it turns out that he doesn't have to because somebody did it for him um
1: interesting yeah
0: he he takes he's surprisingly unfazed by this i think
1: yeah he's just like going with it
0: i mean his only com- his only his comment is really like oh they somebody saved me the trouble
1: yeah you'd think he'd want to know why it happened
0: yeah you would um but at the end of the day he does find the floor plan they go he goes to Karen bay who already has the blueprints uh, of the of the place, so they can verify that she knows where she is supposed to be, or knows and knows what the layout and is who she says she is and that sort of thing. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. So then we have the scene on the ferry. Yes. With more with more projected screens in the uh, projected images in the back. Uh, Only with Bond, I think, <laughs> though, because they really did shoot on
0: location. It's in a a different.
1: No, I think it's just two different images, two different projections, but. Well, yeah, true. I think it's definitely worse with Bond. Yeah, <laughs> and yes, I will keep complaining about that this until they stop using that technique.
0: Well, and then they sometimes get into green screen, which is even worse at times. So it can be. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I will say they do a surprisingly large amount of on-location shooting in this film. There, there, they there are very few instances of of rear projection, I think, compared to some other films that we see later.
1: They were required to shoot seventy percent of the film in the UK to get tax credits, though.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, it was British, uh, equity rules and whatnot, I think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, so, yeah, they did, they had to do 70%, but I think they did a lot, I mean, they really did go to these locations in Istanbul.
1: Yes, they did. Yeah.
0: So, the, then we get the, the world's least inconspicuous, uh, audio recorder inside a camera, um, when the Bond just yes. kind of holds, sits down and says, okay, talk into the camera while the tape's going, um and this is and she's like nowhere near it no so that's a very good microphone it is a very good microphone
1: and this is where we get it's outside and she's not ne- yeah that yeah that's impressive
0: <laughs> there's there's no background noise at all or anything um but this is what leads to that scene you were talking about before with m and the and sending money penny out of the room and everything
1: yes once when i was with m in tokyo we had an interesting experience the, yes yes <laughs>
0: Sadly, we never get to find out what that was.
1: Yeah. Oh, but yes. Oh, by the way, uh, we actually skipped over this. Mm. So I'm going to jump back for a bit. Okay. Um, in the gypsy camp fight scene. Yeah. We get a uh, musical cue, uh, which I'm just going to call. It may have a real name that you'll probably tell me, uh, but I'm just going to call it the Bond suspense music. where, where it's like that. Yeah. And this is the first movie that uses that, but then they will continue to use it for like the next 10 films.
0: Yeah. It comes back a few times. Um, It's referred to as the 007 theme.
1: okay see i would call that the you know <laughs> if that's the 007 theme what's the other one well that's the bond theme see <laughs> oh yes uh, two totally different yes. things of course
0: so if you, if you look at the if you look at the album there it, it shows up twice there is 007 just that's all it's called is 007 and then later on it it comes back as 007 takes the lector which is the whole scene
1: later on in the consulate. Oh, I could have not doubled back. You're right. I could have just talked about it that <laughs> <time>. Oh, well. <laughs> That's okay. But anyway, I, I mean, I, I realize that you're the expert on film scores, but uh, this was, th- I mean, I've definitely, you know, noticed that that is a recurring theme in the uh, Connery and Moore eras.
0: Yeah, and I, I keep wishing it would come back.
1: I, I, I like it a lot. It would have been cool if they used it in in, um, Skyfall, which was like the homage to all of Bond. Mm -hmm. That would have been cool if they had included it there. But anyway, I I just thought we should mention that theme because this is the first movie where it appears. It is,
0: yes. And it comes back multiple times later, as you said. Mm -hmm. The upshot of this amazing audio recording is that they're convinced that she really does have access to this lector machine and that they can go ahead with the theft. Bond tricks her into thinking that the, the heist is going to happen a day or later than it actually does. Um, yeah, because he doesn't trust her. Because he doesn't it, trust which... her, which makes sense, yeah. Um, we get the guy, you know, is your clock correct, etc. And, and then the bomb goes Rushing off. Rushing clocks are and always correct. 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 Yes. <laughs> right as the bomb goes off. And then your your music comes back again for the sequence where they, <laughs> yes, they, it does. they go in and uh, get the lector machine, uh, which as she's described, looks kind of like a typewriter in a case, um, travel under the, under Istanbul a bit and come out and right where the Orient Express is about to leave, um, which is darn good timing. But, um, as, as they're leaving, there's a security officer that's having coffee or something in the cafe right there that sees them. Um, this guy must really know all of his analysts by face because he immediately recognizes Tatiana and, Decides to get on the train. Well,
1: Tatiana recognized him, too. Sure. So they probably, like, actually knew each other.
0: Maybe. I mean, I think you're more likely to recognize a high-up security person than... Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe they know each other. They, it, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a, of a consulate, actually. So.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, he gets on the train, too. But we also see that Grant is there. Yes.
0: And they go to their... They have the... As, as is the case in all Bond films, they have the suites on the train. They don't just have to sit in coach or anything like that. They get settled. They the, the men go out to talk and leave Tatiana in the room, which they do several times, unfortunately. Karam decides he needs to deal with Benz, who's the, the security guy on the train. They, you know, they gag him and, and all that.
1: Does pulling his jacket down really immobilize him? Like I don't know. Really? I I, I don't know. Uh,
0: I mean, they have a gun on the guy, but
1: yeah. Still though, I do enjoy how that scene ends when Karen's like, "I have had a very interesting <laughs> yes. life. Would you like to hear it?" And
0: the guy's like, he just <laughs> grunts and he's like, "Oh, you would." <laughs> like this, that's why I love this character a lot. I let like just the way he that that sort of stuff that he does, I think is great. Yeah. Uh, and it's a shame that we never obvious for obvious reasons we're never able to see him again um i mean he's done in in a few minutes here anyway but uh yeah so then bond goes back and does the little fashion show with with tatiana um bought her all these different dresses and lingerie and things
1: i will wear this in piccadilly no you won't they've passed some laws (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) that's another good line Um, it is yeah and i think this is when they find out that he's been killed
1: right yes A- after that well they they're gonna go they're gonna go meet carom for dinner right because that's the escape route but then the conductor comes up and it's like so yeah grant made it look like Karim and the russian killed each other
0: right and they blow past the parked car with carom's son um, so they don't stop
1: and apparently you can drive all the way from there to like like shouldn't the train be faster than the car you would
0: think Unless it makes multiple stops.
1: Yeah. Anyway, we, we, we figure out what we need to do. Uh, but uh, But first, bon- Bonda interrogates Tatiana. Yes. Because he thinks she knows more than she's telling him. Which she doesn't really know that much more than she's telling him because she doesn't know what the real plot is. No, she
0: doesn't know what the real plot is and she's been told she'll be killed if she tells them anything that she's met with Rosa Klebb. Who Bond clearly knows because we find out when Grant talks to him, but...
1: And he also recognizes her when she shows up later.
0: That's true, too. Yeah, and then, you know, he meets Karim's son and gives him back his wallet and his little cigarette holder um, and says to have somebody meeting them at the next stop from Station Y, which I'm assuming is Yugoslavia.
1: Grant's in the shadows listening to this.
0: So by the time they get there, Grant kills the guy, Nash, who's supposed to be meeting Bond, and impersonates him well
1: no grant knew the password from uh apparently from interrogating someone in tokyo he just learned the plan right 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 right
0: yeah but he uses the password to kill nash and then impersonates him
1: but yeah red wine with fish even i know that's wrong yeah
0: <laughs> i mean even the, even the the waiter is like white County he's like no i'll have red okay Uh, The red kind. The red kind. I've never heard
1: anyone order wine by asking for the the red red kind. kind before. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love uh, Grant's like over the top stuffy British accent that he's adopting here at this point. Yes,
1: Uh, it's pretty good. (laughs)
0: Um, He calls Bond old man multiple times, which I think is probably incorrect given their status. Um, But it probably plays into him not really knowing what, what is, you know, how he should be acting anyway. He drugs Tatiana at dinner. He keeps playing up this facade, like, oh, well, we're going to escape, but we only have room for two people. And, you know, eventually Grant, you know, clubs Bond, takes his takes his gun, holds him at gunpoint, and then...
1: Obviously, and then monologues. Monologues, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta have the monologue.
0: I mean, I don't mind this monologue quite so much probably because it's robert shaw it's doing the most it.
1: words grant has said all movie yes yeah no it's not bad uh but yeah it's still there and we get the payoff of the gold
0: sovereigns and then the payoff of the tear gas yes which which i like the fact that it's not bond's case that actually blows up it's yeah it's grant, nash's, it's nash's case yeah. that blows up
1: And I liked that earlier when Bond first meets Nash, he is suspicious of him, but then he opens the case and sees all the stuff and is like, oh, okay. Yeah. I liked that scene Mm -hmm. because you could tell that he wasn't sure that Nash was with the real thing. Right.
0: And then he saw that he had the case and that,
1: yeah. So that was a, yeah, that was a nice touch. But yes, uh, I I did enjoy that. And then we have a really savage fight scene. We do.
0: And I think it, it still holds up really well to me.
1: It does. And it's almost entirely them doing their own stunts too.
0: Which is pretty amazing, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it would have been really distracting if you had what was the, at, at the time you would have these really bad cutaways to stunt men that were obviously stunt men at times um, in, yeah. in certain things. But I, I think this, this still holds up to is one of the best hand fight scenes, I think in the entire series.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: You know, you get the, the great trope of they break the window. So you get the rushing air and the sound from the train and, and all that stuff. So yeah, he Grant is killed and then he's he meant Bond manages to drag Tatiana off the train. And they the two of them they hide out in a flower truck, I think.
1: Yes. After incapacitating the driver. Right.
0: They take the truck.
1: Who was gonna be Grant's getaway guy. Right.
0: Oh that's right. Yes. Grant's getaway guy. And then we
1: get a scene out of North by Northwest. A bit, yeah. Which you have not seen. I have not, but I know enough popular culture that I know about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you get yeah you get the scene of this helicopter and Bond, leaping out of the way of this helicopter. Um, we get Chekhov's gun a second time.
1: Again, um, yes.
0: Oh, I should point out before we go any further that that uh, the scene where he gets the jump on the flower truck guy has your favorite day for night photography again. Yes, it does. Um, oh yes, with it with, does. with all the shadows everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then. During this this helicopter sequence, I read somewhere that the helicopter pilot was not the most uh, experienced at doing this and almost hit Sean Connery <laughs> at one point, which that would have been bad. Uh, yes, and and clearly the Scottish Highlands have appeared somewhere in in the middle of Europe.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, they're very <laughs> ob- they're very obviously back in Britain in yeah. this scene. Yeah. Um... <laughs> uh interestingly this is the first bond movie to contain a helicopter scene and uh actually every film except for dr no and the man with the golden gun has at least one helicopter scene huh
0: okay i did not realize that i mean i knew there were a lot of helicopters Just, uh, in there but
1: yeah not really all that useful trivia but it's no but it's, it's still trivia. Neat. yeah yeah you learn some things when you read the James Bond wiki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that, I, I, like the, I like how like it's an indirect way to destroy the helicopter, too. Like, he shoots the guy with the grenade, who drops his grenade, and yeah. then boom.
0: Which sort of feels like something out of an Austin Powers parody, but it works. It does. Yeah.
1: I've seen that sort of thing in action movies before. And then we get to the speedboat.
0: Yeah, we get to the speedboat. Um, I like how he brings the guy from the truck onto the speedboat only to push him off the speedboat and he's like this just isn't your day and he pushes him off the boat well he did make sure he could swim first (laughs) he did yeah that's true
1: (laughs) but yes Uh, also i did read on the wiki that the speedboat scene was originally shot um at sea but the waves were too rough so then they moved it to scotland
0: okay yeah they're clearly in some kind of inlet at this point yes i should mention that You know, since you mentioned the 007 music, during that helicopter scene, we weirdly get the end of Dr. No's music for some reason in there. Yes. Uh, Which is, you know, the same music from when the the lair is about to explode. Um, I don't know why they did that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, then they get on the speedboat and they get chased eventually by some more uh, Russians, including, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the one who's future Gogol. Um,
1: Yes. Uh, His name... Is
0: Morzani? Morzani. I don't think they ever say that. Actually, I don't think he's ever named on screen. Um,
1: no, I think he is
0: during the periscope scene. Oh, maybe. That could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he is there, right?
1: Yeah. Interestingly, okay. he burned his eyelids in this scene.
0: Oh, from the explosion. Yeah, I believe. I did. believe it. That's yeah. that's one heck of an explosion. Mm-hmm. That you know they throw the, the they have, they're carrying barrels of gasoline or something because. Clearly, you would do that, um, and Obviously. and then Bond ex- sets up, <laughs> like, explodes them with a flare gun. Uh, again, getting the Doctor No music a second time. Um, <laughs> yes, and they get away. Um, at this point, and they're in a hotel, and this is. Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm skipping. I'm. I've...
1: Yeah, you forgot Kronstein's death.
0: At this point. At this point, number one calls them back in to get raked over the coals a bit. Uh, Kleb and Kronstein and Morzany and Morzany.
1: Oh no, Kleb calls them in before the. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. you're right. Yeah, uh, so n- n- number one calls in Kronstein. Yeah, because Morzany dies. Yeah, Morzany dies. Uh, in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number one calls in Kronstein, Kleb, and Morzany, and he's talking as if he's gonna kill Kleb, but he actually has Kronstein killed instead. Yes, and Kronstein's just like the hell yeah
0: yeah the look on his face is great and then when uh number one's remarking on we need to find a faster acting poison because it only took it took him like 11 seconds to die or something like that with the the shoe the the, the knife in the shoe yeah yeah that's right
1: so now we get the chase scene
0: because yeah right after they they get away in the boat is when they're at the hotel room and kleb shows up dressed as a as a maid to make up the room and she's gonna sneak out with the lector and with. Tatiana but Bond catches her in the in the act she pulls out a gun and then Tatiana throws herself at Kleb and knocks the gun out of her hand and then we get this short little fight scene with with Cleb and Bond where she has the knife in the shoe and she's trying to kick Bond and he has the chair and is fending her off
1: and Tatiana kills her
0: Tatiana shoots her
1: which I think is a great uh way to do it is have to have Tatiana kill her instead of Bond
0: yep and that moment where she's trying to decide who she's loyal to uh Mm -hmm. and and chooses bond over over russia and and shoots her and we get the great she's had her kicks line
1: although i think it's also partly uh there's partly some sexism built into there they couldn't have the hero kill a woman probably not um
0: yeah i don't think bond actually directly kills a woman and well he does a few times but uh Trying to think of certainly a... not in the early movies. no, the, the, the first one that's coming to mind is in uh, The World Is Not Enough, um, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't know if there's times before that or not.
1: Yeah, he doesn't kill Bambi and Thumper, right?
0: No, he he indirectly kills um, Fiona Volpe and Thunderball, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that counts that that's self-defense more than anything else um
1: does mayday live in uh no mayday gets Mo, mayday
0: gets blown up she takes the the bomb out of the mine on that little like mine that's car thing. right uh, it's been a while
1: yeah yeah i'm not none
0: of them are coming to mind other than
1: yeah he definitely does kill a woman in the uh, world is not yeah. enough we'll get to that so yeah and then all we have left is the
0: the scene on the the boat with you know, we get to hear the commercial love song again
1: from Russia with
0: love, I fly to you, much wiser
1: since my goodbye to you, I've um, it's the
0: It's not one of the more memorable Bond songs, I would say. Um. I, no. I actually prefer the instrumental version to the, the song version of it. I agree. Um, and uh, We get more projection. We get more rear projection. Uh, he waves goodbye to the little microfilm of the, the video of them, or the, the footage that was shot of them. Throws it in the canal. Throws it in Just the canal. Yeah. With
1: shameless littering. Yeah. The end. Not quite the end.
0: Not quite the end.
1: I think this is the first, this, uh, this is the only time they refer to it as the next Ian Fleming thriller oh (laughs) it's james bond will return in the next ian fleming thriller goldfinger yeah i think like after this it's just james bond will return in and then the title i think you're right
0: although they often got the title
1: wrong early on too i miss it i miss them having the title though because these days it's just james bond will return well
0: because now they make the title reveal a big thing which i think is silly but it's it's They don't have any stories to base it off of, so...
1: And now they haven't already started working on the new movie, yeah. I mean,
0: back then they had all these books to make into films, so they at least could say, hey, this is the next one, and people might have heard of it and have read the book and everything, and they'll drum up more readers and all that sort of thing, so that makes sense. Um, Yeah, this was the last uh, film that Ian Fleming saw, I believe, because he died during the making of Goldfinger. Yes.
1: Yes. This is also the very last film of any kind that John F. Kennedy saw.
0: That's, I was just about to say that. That's what they say on the Wikipedia page, that he saw this on November 20th, right before he went to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah this is the first time they had the, the line of James Bond will return.
1: I suppose they didn't know yet if they were going to make another one. Probably not.
0: Um, and they the only reason they decided to make For Russia With Love was because it came out that it was on the top five lists of books that John Kennedy had given to a in an article somewhere. Um, he listed his favorites, his favorite books. And that was one of them. So I said, Oh, we, we better do that. That's uh, the next one. And I'm kind of glad they did that. Yeah. They did this one before they got a big budget and they could have done some silly things with it.
1: I agree. Yeah. Cause I think this is a, just a nice little sort of spy thriller with some interesting things. It, it does set up the archetype of bond, but we are still kind of on a small scale yet.
0: Yeah. That, I think that'll change really with the next film. Um, yes. And I mean, I don't get me wrong. I really love Goldfinger, but I think it also started a trend that didn't help the series going forward uh, with some things, mostly because they they kept trying to duplicate what they did with Goldfinger and they could couldn't quite do it.
1: Yeah, that seems accurate.
0: I mean, Goldfinger, even the book is a fairly ridiculous story. Uh, and I And I would even argue, and we'll get to that next week about how I think they made some changes to the story that actually are much better in the film than in the story
1: that that Fleming wrote. So now with this one, I feel like going back to you where you're saying it's slow at times, like Mm -hmm. this movie is only two hours, but it feels longer to me.
0: It does. I agree. I I think a lot of it is because at least in thinking about it, you know, the the plot itself is fairly straightforward. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to steal this decoding device and that's it. Right. Um, and then the, 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 the villainous plot in this film, if there is one, is we're going to trick MI6 into trying to steal this, this thing, steal it from him, humiliate Bond in the process or kill Bond in the process. That doesn't take long to explain. And a lot of what happens in the film is setting up stuff because, you know, the, yeah. first, the first hour or so of the film is setting up the heist, which isn't even much of a heist. This isn't like a Ocean's 13 or Ocean's 11 kind of film where it's convoluted and complicated. You know, they, they set off a bomb and then they steal the thing.
1: All right, now I want a, a convoluted Bond heist film. Okay. Like, that would be cool, don't you think? Like a James Bond, like, straight-up Ocean's 11-style James Bond film? <laughs> uh, that would be interesting. Like bring back bring back like all the random characters that like they could do it with daniel craig because i mean they won't because there's only one more daniel craig film and it's already been made right but uh they could do it like bring back all like in, like incidental characters from all the movies mm-hmm. i don't know i think i kind of want this now but it'll never <laughs> happen
0: yeah you get uh, felix leiter well too bad you can't have Karen. Well, you can't have Karen bay anymore you can't have renee mathis um uh, who incidentally shows up at the end of this book of the, the From Russia With Love book. Um,
1: oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: And I'm trying to think of... Oh, you could get Jack Wade. No, let's not get Jack Wade. Jack
1: Wade's terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. I want a James Bond Tice film now. That would be
0: interesting. I would watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So do you have any final thoughts on From Russia With Love?
1: Not really. No, I, I think I've covered most of what I... Uh... Feel how, how i feel about this movie i will say i i think this i did enjoy this one more than dr no and mm-hmm. uh, I, I i think the the series is on the upswing at the moment
0: yeah absolutely it's on the upswing and i think it either will continue on the upswing or at least be at the same level in the next film uh it depends some people rank this one over goldfinger other people the other way around i think mm-hmm. they're they're i think they're both excellent in very different ways and I think they're both yes. very entertaining in very different ways, so I have a hard time comparing them. But um, this is definitely, I would say, it's hard to, it, it's unfortunate to say this given how many more films we have to go. But I would almost say this is the peak of, of the series for the most part. Um, there are other films that come up later on that hit this level, but it it takes a long time to get there, I think. And that's not to say that there aren't good films in there. I think there's certainly good oh, no yeah. films throughout the series, but I don't think we ever quite the the, the trajectory they set for these for in these first three films, I think was one they couldn't sustain going forward.
1: I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen, seen Thunderball, but I would say that that was also a very good movie. It is.
0: Um, we'll have a lot. I, I have, I have things to say about it. I, it, it tends to get a bum rap, I think. Um, and in some ways, I, I think it's an underrated Bond film. Um, it certainly shows certain aspects that aren't, it, it, they make certain decisions in that film that I think only add to the bloat that l- happens later on. Um, but I think mm. on the whole, I think it's, it's a much better film than I think it's made out to be. And I'm looking forward to revisiting it again in a couple of weeks because I haven't seen it in a while either.
1: Yeah, no, I, I actually haven't seen any of the it, it, this has been nice to watch Dr. No and then this one, because it, it has been a while for both. I've, I've seen this one far more than I had seen Dr. No, just because this is a favorite that I do tend to rewatch from time to time. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I'm definitely interested in what we're doing over the next few weeks here to revisit these Connery films.
0: Yeah, they're the, for whatever reason, I don't go back to them as much as I probably should. And, and I haven't... I've not watch that many Bonds, period, in a while uh, for whatever reason. I they, they tend to get into to ruts with them, I, or I watch a bunch of them, and then I kind of put them on the shelf for a while. So yeah, definitely looking forward to this one, and, and I am looking forward to the ones that I don't like so much as well, just to maybe give them a fresh look. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, that's, that's down the road. I get a, a piece of it, I would say.
1: Yes. Alright, well thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at PodSpiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. So with that, uh, I think we'll wrap up our discussion with uh, From Russia with Love and License to Spiel will return with Goldfinger. <laughs>